Aloha Maui Nui. Hey, this is Josh Porter here. And Jason Burkhardt. How you doing? Welcome to the Solar Coaster. Solar Coaster episode number 73. This is the EcoShip live show right here at SPI 2018. Solar Power International. Yep, Solar Power International. North American Smart Energy Week for those who are paying attention. We're right here at the installer training pavilion or the theater. Right in the middle of like day three of the show, right, Jay? Is it day three or day two? I think it's day two. I always call Monday days. Zero because there's really no show floor. <laughs> so <laughs> this is going to be a great show, everybody, for our, for our friends and listeners back home in Maui. Really amazing guests here. We're actually our content uh, today is the EcoShip. We did an EcoShip show maybe about six nine months ago with the founder Yoshioka Tatsuya, who called me a minute ago, Remy, and I guess he's wondering how we're doing. But we're going to uh, hear all about the EcoShip project from Remy. Um, what's your last name again? Mio. And Remy came out kindly from Tokyo, Japan to tell us all about the EcoShip project and kind of launch a little bit of a technical discussion about a pretty radical and amazing kind of thing, right? right. So thanks for coming out very much, Remy. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. Right. It's been <laughs> great to get to know you. You fit yeah. right into the Solar Coaster vibe, no doubt about that. We also have a couple panelists here, just guys that have veterans of the coaster. We have uh, Mr. Mike Lintieri from Sundrum Solar, who is also a sponsor of the Solar Coaster, which we want to give a special you know, thank you to, Michael, because you sir. keep us thank going. Thank you very much. Right? It's dear, near and dear to our heart. And we also have another veteran of the Solar Coaster, Mr. Boris Von Borman. Aloha. Aloha. Welcome. Aloha. Thank you for having me. Good to be here. I think it's the third different title or third different position I've been on the show with you guys. Yeah, you guys are all veterans. You've, you've been here in the past. We've had a good time. So I appreciate you guys are real sports for agreeing to come up on stage with us in the middle of this brouhaha. Not to mention the fact that it's happy hour and you're not drinking <laughs> beer out there. But there right. is. I do want to make note. Oh, Jay, you say it. Go for All it. All right. So I was, I, was, I was tasked Hello. with this. Uh, we have a special present for everybody who comes in the theater today. Maui Brewing Company, another sponsor of ours, sent along some sustainable beer. I was told by their CFO that it, at right now it is 33% renewable, the cans in front of you. However, they've gotten their FDA <laughs> approval on January 1, 2019. Everything coming out of Maui Brew facility is going to be 100% renewable. So they're... they're Flipping the switch on their thermal capture. Woohoo, yeah. renewable beer. Yes. Yes, yes. So you're drinking solar powered <laughs> beer, folks. I mean, that's uh, what is better than solar powered beer. And uh, Russell Adkins, thank you to the CFO, Real Sport, Doug, you know Russell, and Garrett, the CEO of Maui Brewing Company, called him up last minute and said, hey guys, you want to uh, sponsor the solar coaster over in SBI? And they said, yeah, sure, come pick up some beer. And that's what you see before you. So many mahalos to Russell Adkins and Garrett Marrero of Maui Brewing Company. And uh, help yourself to the beer, and I think we should probably crack some soon as well. Yeah, sounds like a plan. So, it is happy hour right? after all. All right. So we get into our housekeeping? Just run we right through this? We need to do this fast. Let's go. All right. We are the Solar Coaster Renewable Energy Team talk show right here in lovely Maui County. Maybe Anaheim, California. <laughs> in Anaheim, California. Uh, we can be found uh, Fridays at 1.05 p.m. on Kooi, 11.10 a.m. We also have some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry. You've got a great website. Sure, solar-coaster.com. You can go there, listen live. If you're outside of our broadcast area, there is a form down the bottom of the website where you can actually submit questions and comments. So if you have a question you can't get on air, it is a call-in show after all. Submit them down the website. We'll definitely get your questions on air. You can also get on our mailing list. We have a number of podcasts out there, the podcast platforms. iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn all carry the Solar Coaster. If podcasts are your audio consumption method, just go on there, type in Solar Coaster, and you can take us anywhere you go. The Solar Coaster is definitely a labor of love, but we do have some sponsors that have kept the uh, radio show on air. Maui Solar Project, my, my, my little company, uh, Tabuchi Electric America, Sonin Battery, uh, Pika Energy, and Sundrum Solar. Thank you, sponsors. Keep us rolling. Love uh, you guys. <laughs> all right. So in lieu of news and events, we usually do a little bit of news and events. We're going to go right into this concept of EcoShip, hear all about this wonderful organization from Remy, and, uh, and then start to dig into some of the technical conversations. And this is a, this is a call-in show, uh, but obviously no one's calling in right now. So there's a mic. You can take the mic if you have a question. You want to ask a question, feel free to do it. I'm sure people would love to hear your questions. Yep. So uh, shall we hand the mic over to Remy and let him do his thing? Yeah, Remy, uh, take us through the EcoShip. What does it mean, first of all? I mean, what is the EcoShip concept? And then where are we as far as progress? Sure. <laughs> it's a lot of questions and one question. So yeah, EcoShip is actually Peace Boat EcoShip. And a lot of people look at the picture of the ship and think that we might be uh, uh, naval architects, that we might be uh, a designer firm, 
but we're actually a cruise line um, from Japan. And we do around the world voyages. And we've been doing this for 35 years. So we actually took about 60,000 people uh, around the world. It's about 20 countries per, uh, per voyage. And the sort of voyages that we run is uh, educational voyages. So we raise awareness on uh, environmental issues, social issues of the countries we are going to with the ship uh, by having guest speakers from these countries coming on the ship ahead of time and uh, telling the people, our participants, a little bit more about the reality and the context of uh, where they're going. Uh, and when we're in port, we also organize uh, exchange tours with partner NGOs. And we also have uh, longer, let's say, uh, projects and programs. Uh, now, one of them is the Ocean and Youth, Ocean and Climate Youth Ambassadors, where we have youth from small island states coming on the ship and telling people about the reality of climate change, how it affects uh, their communities, how it affects their coastal areas. Because for a lot of our passengers, climate change will be in 2030, 2040, 2050. It feels really, really far away. People are a bit disconnected. So what we try to do is we amplify the voices of the, the people that are experiencing it right now, and we're taking it to the ship. So we do these great things, and we do them on a ship that's uh, a little old right now. So the idea of EcoShip is to come about with the greenest cruise ship in the world so that we have a messenger, a vessel that's more in line with the, the message that we're, we're very, very proud of. And that's the, let's say, the, the concept behind, behind EcoShip. Okay, excellent. Thank you, Remy. And I have to confess that I am a alumni of the Peace Boat organization, having uh, been a Peace Boat staff about 10, 15 years ago. Wow. Uh, and so I kind of got a special place, you know, I love Peace Boat. And the idea of EcoShip is pretty spectacular. So I'm really stoked to see this. So yeah, EcoShip is about 40% uh, reduction in CO2 emissions compared to our current ship. And that's made possible mainly through the use of LNG, liquid natural gas, as a, as a main fuel. And since we're going around the world, there'll be portions uh, where it'll be LNG, well, where it'll be difficult actually to bunker for LNG. So for this, will be dual fuel LNG diesel. And just switching to LNG means a cut of about 20 to 25% in CO2. So it's really, really, uh, it's massive. It's really massive. And then um, what you see on top of the ship are actually sails. And the sails will uh, help us for the propulsion up to 10% in optimal conditions. And optimal conditions means that we can also uh, help achieve this 10%. So we do around the world voyages. And right now, all the voyages that we do, they're westbound. But with EcoShip, we'll have to be, for the southern hemisphere one, we'll have to be eastbound. So we get the most out of the trade winds. So there's the sails that you see right here in the video. Then we also have, of course, solar panels. So solar panels, we're expecting to have about 750 kilowatt of uh, solar power production. And we can dedicate between 6,000 and 8,000 square meters of our ship surface for the solar panels. So that's solar panels on the top deck, solar panels on the passengers' cabins, balconies, on the fenders. And we have, and the cells are also fitted with solar panels. So that's for the, the, the solar panel uh, thing. Then we have something very, very exciting, actually. In the front of the ship, we have uh, an onboard garden. And the onboard garden is spanning across seven levels. And the great thing about having a garden on board is that you can recycle the organic waste from the restaurant, turn into compost, and use for the garden. So we have a closed-loop system for waste, thanks to this. And we can also do it with water, actually. So in Japan, a lot of toilets have... Uh, so you wash your hands, and then that water goes into a tank that will be used to flush the toilets. So you have a water recycling yeah, system. I've, I've actually right seen there. these. It's, it's, it's a sink that is literally embedded in the cap that goes on your toilet tank. And, and, it's, it's, and, and, and it's done for two reasons. One is the economy of space, because Japanese houses are very small, yeah. and so you don't have that space. But also, it saves water, because all the water that was, would be considered kind of gray water would be used to, to flush later. And it's something very <laughs> simple. So all we do is we take this great land-based technology, and so is solar panels, by the way. It's been around for 40, what, 40, 50 years? But their implementation onto ships and onto cruise ships is extremely slow. We've never seen uh, solar panels at this scale on a cruise ship. And that's a shame. We feel that 
it's about time. I mean, solar panels, just they've come so far over the course of even the last like 10 years in terms of their robustness, their durability, their predictability. I mean, you had solar panels that were, you know, little raindrops were falling on them in Maui 10, 15 years ago, and they're burning holes in the PV, right? So it's like the, the, the PV is really ready for this now, perhaps where it wasn't, you know, five or 10 or 15 years ago for sure. Okay, so is th does that kind of encapsulate the broad strokes of the EcoShip and the PeaceBot project? Yeah, I think so. And that's what we can do ourselves as the, the cruise line, as the operator, when we think about the, the hardware, when we, think about, uh, when we think about the ship itself as a structure. But the, uh, the passengers will actually help us achieve that goal. So by having smart meters in cabins, people will see how much uh, they're using for water and for electricity. And of course, we don't want to penalize people. We're happy they're with us uh, uh, going around the world on a cruise ship. We feel is the most beautiful way to travel the world. But what we can do is we can reward positive behaviors. So when people use uh, maybe less electricity or less water, and they're inclined to help us save at the end of the day on our carbon footprint and reduce it, then we can give them coupons to use in stores, to use at the restaurant. So really, it's a win-win it's a situation for everybody. Yeah, you want to gamify that. It's, it's, I see that as yeah. a major, major plus. And, and, and um, people can go to the gym uh, with their uh, cards, generate some electricity of their own. <laughs> and it's, uh, of course, it's very symbolic. <laughs> I but it's, it. I, I feel it's very nice to, to feel empowered. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of opportunity in here to communicate about sustainability. Are, are okay, the treadmills the in the gym going to be wired up? Is that a question? They <laughs> so will be, yeah. But <laughs> the hamster power. <laughs> let's, let's think a little bit about you know, where this kind of uh, technology and this kind of movement in maritime how relevant that is to what's going on with climate change, what's going on with you know, the electrification of transportation. So I want to take a moment here to get Boris involved because this is his neck of the woods for sure. And uh, you know, what do you think, Boris? I mean, what, you know, what's your take on this? What, what's going on uh, in electrification of transmo in general? And you know, give us a sense of who you are and what you do. But also, you know, where does this thing sit in the whole conversation? Yeah, of course. Thanks, Josh, and, and thanks for having me again on, on the show. As you know, previously CEO for Sonnen, uh, heavily involved in energy storage. It's a little high here. Um, and then um, moved over to Mercedes-Benz, where I ran Mercedes-Benz Energy for two years as CEO. And now moved as uh, founder for Renew Ventures, which is a venture fund that targets the convergence of energy and transportation. So everything that has to do with connected autonomous shared electric vehicles, uh, together with the distributed energy world, so charging of electric vehicles, energy management, energy storage, distributed energy generation. So that focus of the underlying technology of AI, blockchain, uh, machine learning, how that's the space that we will invest in. So it's a $250 million fund. We're fundraising right now. Uh, to invest into that space and push that envelope really going forward. And the underlying mechanism behind this, that's, I call it the electrification of everything, right? So there's a micro-mobility, which wasn't even a word six months ago. Now you have a scooter company out of Santa Monica that within six months is a billion-dollar unicorn, and it's now after 12 months evaluated at $2.5 billion. Is this line? Bird. I rode one last week for the first time and used the iPhone to try it, right? And it's amazing. So there's actually another one, Lime, and bird, and then there's just these scooters sitting all around the community. You walk up to them, it tells you what to do, and boom, you're there. It's a how what was it? It's now two and a half billion after 12 months. So it's literally the quickest company to become unicorn. So a, a unicorn is a billion dollar valuation after six months. So micro mobility, it's that last mile of transportation. How do we get people from point A to point B after they use public transport or going other ones? and how you get people to the microbrewery or to Maui Brewing Company in a most efficient way, and especially after the drinking that they don't fall over. So scooters might not be the best way. Anyway, um, it's the electrification of everything. So for us, it's really, you see it in transportation, you see it in trucking, you see it uh, even now uh, looking at what's called VTOL, so vertical takeoff and landing. You see it in, uh, in airplanes, in um, aviation, transportation, and obviously maritime is, is just another extension of that transportation element that needs to electrify, which brings in better carbon footprint. It helps, uh, obviously, our climate issues that we have dealing with. We see, I have a business in Turks and Caicos, my partners out here, we see more and more hurricanes. You guys in Hawaii see more and more hurricanes. Obviously, we, we have to stop that cycle and, and just trying to move towards a more carbon-neutral or, or carbon-free environment society. It's the key to achieve that. So that's a lot right there, right? And I love the fact that you knew, I had no idea about that scooter, that it was a billion-dollar uh, unicorn, you called it? A billion-dollar unicorn, fastest billion-dollar unicorn. I mean, I got on that thing and I thought, this is a brilliant idea. 
you know, and, and of course it's like, you know, it's, it's uh, uber successful already. But so how relevant is the, mar how big of an opportunity, I guess, is there in cruising and in the maritime industry in terms of the electrification of transport? That's really kind of what I want to try to try to walk into. And I understand that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that the maritime industry accounts for about 3% of global carbon dioxide emissions, which is like, you know, the equivalent of a country, right? Right, right now it's 3%. But it'll the graduate to... are by, with the current trends, by 2050 it's going to be 17% because it's one of the last really heavy fuel polluting industries that really hasn't taken a good look at reinventing itself. Efficiencies are not there yet either. So it's just been old technology continuing as is and with no further improvements in terms of efficiency. And that's, like you mentioned, like the forecast is, is pretty dim and, and you mentioned it's the carbon footprint of a small country, which is significant. And especially it's an environment where you don't have the mechanisms necessarily to clean the air Right, you're not in a heavily forested area when cruise ships are traveling, so it's, it just goes straight into your atmosphere. And, and therefore, looking at that piece, significant, but you have heavy loads, you have heavy, you know, heavy needs, and you don't have an infrastructure per se that, that allows you for, you mentioned LNG refueling, you know, also there's no charging stations on the water, right? <laughs> and uh, so there, there's these issues to deal with, so it's going to be complicated to do, but it needs to be addressed for sure. Right, and if you look at that 3% that we're at now, how do we get, why is it 3 to 17, right? So it's an area that just hasn't been touched yet. And you're looking at really heavy particulate kind of stuff, the really mean knocks and socks kind of things, right? And then you have also this ramp up of the global cruising industry. So you have this kind of uh, you know emerging middle class throughout Asia that's got a big appetite for cruising. You have Americans, there's a massive appetite for cruising. And then of course you just have shipping, right? We're shipping goods like crazy across the oceans. So the technologies that are pioneered here could be applicable to all of that, right? Yeah, and there, uh, for the first time in the International Maritime Organization history, there is a commitment that was made about six months ago in April that CO2 emissions should be halved, at least cut by 50% by 2050. So there is this uh, trend and expectations that if nothing changes, the proportion of the contribution of shipping to CO2 emissions will go from 3% to 70%, but at 17%. But at the same time, there is this commitment uh, to have emission by 2050. So how do we get there? Right. And I think that's where uh, uh, EcoShip also plays a part, is that we propose to be a flagship for climate action and to open the way to more greener cruise ships. It's a, it's a really exciting proposition. I want to uh, take the time here today to get into some of the technology. Of course, not all of the technology. But uh, you know, let's let's kind of broach some of those topics together, shall we? So we got Michael Intieri here, who is going to be able to help us on a couple different areas. But there, I do want to touch base on what some of those areas might be, right? So we have, of course, electrical PV plus electrical storage. That's one area that's really hyper relevant here. We have uh, thermal PV plus thermal storage. And I don't know if that's been a big hot topic in the in the in the organization yet. But when I talk to Michael, I know that's his cup of tea. That's what he does. So we're going to be able to hear all about the potential there. You also have, of course, fuel, diesel to LNG to hydrogen one day, right? And we got some hydrogen proponents out here. There's a whole hydrogen section of the show over there. And then you have wind energy, wind propulsion, right, uh, from the sails themselves. And there is also the discussion, I think, of deployable wind turbines, which is kind of a, you know, maybe, you know, while it's in port of call, to be able to have retractable wind turbines come up. So you've got all these kind of great kind of core advances that could potentially happen here, you know, in technology. So which one do you want to look at first? Which should we talk about first? I'm just, you know, delighted. In terms of as the, the ship, they're going to design their routes to follow the trade winds. So in terms of maximizing all the sources of renewable energy that you just mentioned, it's designed for it. And there are beautiful ports of calls all on that route because, mm -hmm. oh, by the way, the old sail power created those port of calls. Right. So they're going to follow into the same path to, you know, wonderful cities. You know, it's, it's Singapore or places in Australia, Tokyo. It's all Hawaii. Hawaii. They're, all, they're, all, they're all the trade wind routes. Sounds like a nice voyage. Yeah, beautiful. So what do you think about, um, you want to talk about PV first maybe, about the opportunities here with PV and storage or thermal? Which one do you want to In terms of, which one really sink your teeth to into? You. In terms of the, if, if you look at the, all right, we'll digress. If you look at the energy profile of the ship, uh, one of them is propulsion. All right? mm -hmm. So with the propulsion in terms of using liquefied natural gas, 
that has a byproduct. That byproduct's heat. So in terms of the thermal energy to uh, drive uh, washing, hot showers, laundry, I'm hoping that you all are doing some type of desalination, whether it's reverse osmosis to generate your own fresh water, which again is maybe a renewable energy, that not a renewable source or a green source uh, in terms of being environmentally conscious. So you're saying you could desal, you desal the ocean right on water board. To cre- via right PV, on board. for example. Uh, uh, if you look at reverse osmosis, in terms of that technology, you want slightly warmer water than it's coming out of the ocean. So whether you use solar to do that warming, and then you have a membrane with a small electrical current flowing through it, and you basically catch all your particulate on the other side of the membrane, you have fresh water. There are other methods to do that, but that is a method that in terms of the energies that are going to be available are prolific that uh, will help the sustainable nature of the boat. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're, you're going to maximize your PV well, you know, in me, terms of the sales ask, and the others. So Let me ask you this. So now we've talked something about 750 kilowatts of solar maybe. And if you look at the image, I mean, it's a really, it's a really sexy looking ship, right? I mean, you've got these deployable sails. You've got uh, PV wrapping the sails. You've got the opportunity for some uh, PV up top on the ship. And you'll, they're talking about awnings on the sides as well, right? So these kind of three core areas. I think there's a BIPV opportunity here too, building integrated photovoltaics for mm-hmm. transparent, uh, transparent cells on the windows. That's maybe an opportunity too. But you can only do so much with collecting you know, photons and making electrical energy. With what you do in your company, Sundrum, you extract that heat and, and, and you use that for, uh, with heat exchanging systems, right? Do you want to talk pl- about some the, of those opportunities? The places where we'd go is uh, we'd be cooling the PV panels using that heat for boat services. Uh, to improve the electrical output. And then the exciting piece here is one of the major energy needs or energy imbalances that the boat has is air conditioning. And we provide one of the world leading air conditioning solutions uh, that we can help uh, reduce the boat's uh, energy footprint of providing that to help make, uh, it really becomes an energy profile. uh, To make it that the limitation of the space in terms of the amount of electrical output you want to use the solution that uses the least electricity to provide that air conditioning. And in terms of our technology, we provide that. And that's no. Sundrum Solar? That's Sundrum right? Solar. Okay. Right. No, so you're saying you can take heat and, and make air conditioning out of it? So air, condi- <laughs> air conditioning is really the removal of heat. Yes. And we are experts at the movement of thermal energy. We sure. know how to remove heat. And we know how to place it where it's usable. So in terms of creating that balance for the boat, just like we do in applications on land, we can do the same on the water. You know, and on the water, it actually becomes a little easier in some applications. So how much of a difference do you think in energy consumption that type of technology might make for in, in the absence of, like going from no heat exchanging systems to heat exchanging systems, what kind of a delta do you think we might see? In terms of the air conditioning bill, probably 15% reduction in electricity. One to five. Because when, when we do it, we're doing it at night, so we're really not doing much. We're in, during the day, we're generating heat and cooling the PV, and at night, we're providing a superior air conditioning solution. So in terms of one for one, we're 30% better, but we're only doing it at night, so 15% for this app. Okay, okay. Great, so yeah, Remy? Yeah, and uh, air conditioning is actually the biggest uh, load uh, of electricity on the hotel uh, on the ship. It's about 50%. Um, so things that we do now is there are CO2 sensors in, uh, in rooms and in public spaces. So when there is nobody in the room, the, uh, the AC is shut down and the, um, the temperature also adapts itself to the number of people uh, in, in public spaces. Uh, another thing uh, is called sensitive furniture. So it's the idea that um, when you're in a room and you're cold, you don't need to heat up the whole room. You need just to heat up yourself. So that means, for example, heating up your bed or heating up the desk, but not necessarily heating up the entire space. This is, this is interesting because I remember living on these ships for a, a, a year of my life collectively. I did four global voyages with, with the Peace Boat. And I remember being unnaturally cold so you'd walk around, you know, and these were older boats, right? Back, back in the day, right? Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, well, this was 20 years ago, okay? So beyond the ship, and, you, and you'd be walking around, and you'd have a sweater on, and you'd, you'd be stopping in Egypt, you know? So what you're saying is actually, from the perspective of someone who's kind of lived in that environment, 
very relevant. Why, you don't want to create an unnatural space, right? You're in these beautiful places all around the world. Why would you want to create this icebox to live in, right? So, yeah. Like the convention center we're in right now, right? Where we need to go out and, and warm up because it's so freezing in here. Right? So. <laughs> and you have more management over every uh, individual room or every space. So, yeah, you can hopefully feel a little hotter when you want to feel hotter. So we're talking about different ways to make it more livable as well as how do we generate energy? How do we become more efficient? So what are some of the other areas we want to touch on, uh, guys? What do you so think? Be before we leave thermal, I have one question. I always, I've been wanting to, want to ask you. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Um, but we talk a little bit about this, this, and the thermal differential. Um, and if you've ever noticed that when you go swimming, typically, the first few inches of the water are quite warm. But the deeper you go, even just a few more inches, there's a significant differential there. Can you leverage this? Oh, the stratification of water yes. for um, so the Stirling engines right now need a hundred degree Fahrenheit delta. Okay, so that's that's um, that's the answer to that question. As, and there's as, no hundred degrees there. As that, <laughs> and, and, but there's opportunities here in terms of just the ocean water. Sure. Ocean water temperature versus the temperatures that are going to be either solar driven or out of the LNG mm -hmm. in terms of the wastewater to drive some additional electricity. Right. So in, in that case, you know, just just your stratification that occurs on a pool. Not enough, but in terms yeah. of the stratification that's available on the liner, it's possible to okay. get some sterling yeah, Definitely, definitely. Something. That's that's the conversation, folks. Is what what is possible? The EcoShip concept is fantastic, but it can be better. So if you have any ideas, step right up to that microphone. Oh yeah, it is. Uh, uh, there's plenty of opportunity to to ask questions. If you have something you'd like to ask, please do. That'll be great for the folks listening at home too. What is the total? Like, what's the total energy need on on a ship per year? What you know? For example, one of the things you mentioned PV that we should look at, right? So, yeah. PV if it's 750 kilowatt, you're looking roughly at about a million kilowatt hours to generate it through PV over the course of a year. You know, if it's constantly deployed and, and out there, where are we looking? I mean, just give us an idea of what we're looking at consumption on a ship like that. Do you have? Monthly, if it's an operation, I know that the uh, the the PV panels they're expected to power up all the lighting systems inside the ship. So um, the 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 ones that will be fitted on the balconies uh, will power the every cabin, and then the ones that are on the top deck will power all the public spaces. That's so that, what we so there are individual the individual systems for every cabin. Yes, correct. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So if one cabin is in shade all day because we're sailing in a certain direction, they will not have any lights. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll have we'll try to make I, sure they. I, do. I am sure there will be some sharing, you know, in in terms of their storage here too. So the any excess electron of electricity they're going to put into storage if it's not being directly used which on a boat like this is not hard. I mean, the interesting part of the PV, if I, if I look at the design of the ship, it could be just like a dual access tracker for PV, right? If you do it, if it's designed right, in one form it can be used as a sail, obviously, for propulsion. But if that's not an option, or if there's no wind that blows, you can, if you design it right, right, you can have a dual access tracker on the PV side, which can actually so bring this that this is in. great. This is great, because we were walking past yeah. some uh, bifacial tracking, which is kind of all the rage right now, right? Bifacial tracking, Ooh. Everyone's excited about the prospect of being able to position PV towards the sun, the ideal angle of incidence, and get reflection on the backside. Wait, what could be better? Right, Eddie? <laughs> right? You want to have ideal. two faces that you can exchange, right? And one good one, one bad Got, one. <laughs> Got to have it. So you're talking, if I understand correctly, are you talking about the sails as yeah, being yeah. potential trackers? Correct, right? So, I mean, the way I understand the mod, you know, the, the model, and when, when you view the images, that they're actually moving up and down based on the need, right? However, you could also not just use it for sale for propulsion, but use it as a dual axis tracker to track the PV in the optimal angle, which then gives you the best uh, creation for, so, for Remy, generation. What do you, that's amazing. That's amazing. So what do you think about that? Like an articulating kind of arm that can move in different positions and tracks the ideal position of where the sun is to be able to harness energy optimally throughout the voyage. I think that is a great idea. And that would be mostly possible when the winds, for example, are too strong and we need to retract the, uh, the sails so that they're completely horizontal. And then maybe we can play around with the, uh, the angles. But when they're up, we'll always favor uh, wind and we'll always favor propulsion uh, as opposed to actually PV production. Yeah, but also if there's no wind, right? You don't want to have the sails up because it's a drag at some yeah. point. When there's no wind, you don't want to use them for up for propulsion. You want to bring them down, and then you probably want to use them as tracking, right? So depending on the wind situation, if it's too low or too much, 
you bring them down and have a tracking system because it's a movable arm anyway, just add that certain dimension to it and that'll increase your PV production, right? It usually adds about 20 to 25% if you can do a dual axis tracking. So why not utilize it? Right? I love it. That's there you great. go. We have an innovation here, right here on the solar coaster, just from this show. So Excellent. <laughs> of course. <laughs> okay. Right. Now we're actually past the midpoint already. We're going to have to take a short commercial break and we'll be right back. Aloha and welcome to Maui Solar Project. It is easy to feel rejuvenated just stepping outside on a magnificent Hawaiian day. Maui Solar Project is here to help harness that energy you feel in your body and use it to power your homes and businesses. As Laura tells us, Maui harnessed the sun so as to slow its path across the sky. Join Maui Solar Project as we harness the sun's energy and slow Hawaii's dependence on fossil fuels. Call Maui Solar Project at 269-2352. MauiSolarProject.org. Tsubuchi Electric, a leading worldwide inverter manufacturer, presents the second generation of the eco-intelligent battery system, the IBIS. Tsubuchi's grid-friendly system includes a high-efficiency inverter, stackable batteries, and integration with Jelly software for the most adaptable battery storage system on the market. The system is optimized for energy management and cost performance. Maximize your solar investment with Tsubuchi's electric eco-intelligent battery system. The Sonin Battery Eco is an energy storage solution that utilizes intelligent energy management software. The system is available in a variety of storage capacities and allows for expansion. Sonin Battery Eco allows you to save money by harvesting energy from your solar PV system and using that stored energy when rates are more expensive. Sonin Battery Eco is specifically designed to provide you and your family peace of mind in the event of power outage. Our unique power detection system will sense outages in real time and automatically switch over to battery power. See Sonin Battery Eco at sonin-battery.com. MIT-founded Pika Energy, makers of the Pika Energy Island, a smart energy management system that uses solar panels, lithium batteries, and intelligence to manage your energy and keep you powered even during outages. With a clean, intelligent alternative to grid power, you're in control of your energy future. Pika's Energy Island lets you manage electrical costs with HECO-ready self-supply functions. Pika's largest battery, the Harbor Plus, offers 16 kilowatt hours of stored energy and can power loads of up to 10 kilowatts. And if you need more capacity, just add a second or even third Harbor Smart battery to the same system for a maximum of 48 kilowatt hours of usable storage. Pika Energy, own your power. To learn more, visit pika-energy.com. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system combined photovoltaic and thermal holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. And now we're back, and thank you to our sponsors. Really do appreciate you guys. Love you, especially Sundrum Solar, who's represented on the show right now. <laughs> we love all our sponsors equally, and they keep us on the tracks. <laughs> okay, so uh, what's our next step here, Jay? What would you like to jump into? Well, obviously, okay, so you said that the solar power is going to take care of all the lighting on this ship. Um, you still have locomotion to deal with, and we're talking about fuels. You mentioned LNG. Um, obviously, LNG is available in some locations, but not all. Uh, if, if people that know me know I'm kind of a big proponent of hydrogen as well, and I'd like to see that at least considered at some point. Um, I did invite some folks who know a lot more about it than I do, and they said, of course, liquefied hydrogen would be the only way to, to get the energy density you need. Have, have you actually considered the hydrogen aspect, or, or is it still too far away? I mean, obviously you need some infrastructure here. Yeah, we're told that uh, uh, it was a little premature, for now because we're really in a, a pre-construction design phase with EcoShip right now. So uh, yeah, by the time it's out, LNG bunkering will be available, for example, in, in Yokohama, which is our home port uh, right next to Tokyo in Japan. Uh, it'll be available in, in Shanghai, in a lot of the ports uh, we actually go to, Singapore, of course, Northern Europe, pretty much everywhere, then, then Cape Town, South Africa, then again, Buenos Aires. So it's spread across almost perfectly evenly on our uh, route. So yeah, we think that LNG is the way to go uh, right now. And maybe when, when EcoShip 2 
is ready to go, we'll consider EchoShip 2 so or EchoShip 3. Two. See, that's the kind of the yeah. concept, is you're doing a prototype to see how far you can go, and then yeah. you'll do the next one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and because, as, as, uh, as uh, Josh mentioned before, there's really, uh, there's really demand for, for cruising, um, especially uh, in China where it's booming. And we want to be able to give people greener options for, uh, for cruising because, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful way to see the world. And um, if you have greener options, then there will uh, be also a, a push from the, the, the passengers themselves asking their, uh, their cruise lines for uh, greener options when they see that it is uh, indeed possible. Have you guys evaluated the, uh, the shipping market? And uh, what's the difference in terms of, of what's the opportunity there to bring something like an eco-ship you know, obviously you have more, probably more area available. Although once the container's up, you, you know, there might be opportunities for PV and other. So have you looked at that? Because obviously it's a big part of maritime applications. How do you, how do you bring that portion of shipping into, into that world? I think some of the parts will be transposable, like the, uh, uh, all the research I'll do on the, on the solar panels, for example. For the wind, uh, there are many options, wind options are being considered right now for, uh, uh, for shipping. Uh, there are flattener uh, rotors, there are kites, I don't know if you've seen that, like big kites. The, the, um, the challenges, I would say, for passenger cruise ships is that it's full of people. And these people, they, you wouldn't tolerate more than five degrees of rolling. So uh, I think that's one of the, um, the challenges of bringing, uh, of cross, let's say, of cross-border, cross-pollinizing, thank you. Of, uh, of some of these technologies, but for some of the tech, for sure, for uh, uh, heat recovery, um, solar panels, maybe even the garden uh, can definitely be taken to, uh, to shipping, for sure. So there's a, and, and if I understand correctly, at this stage of the kind of process, Peaceboat and EcoShip are looking for partners yep. in a variety of tech areas, right? So PV, obviously, is one of them. And so finding the right kind of partnership with an organization that maybe has the moxie, if I can say that, to go after you know, innovation at this level this is, is really be, key. Yeah, this is going to be a very, very hostile environment. For these, for the for the PV that's right that's out there on, on the sails, we have, we have issues. Everybody talks about micro cracking. Well, these are things that are going to be flexing in the wind for years. <laughs> well, we had uh, Rayton Solar on, which is a startup uh, the other day on the show, right? And they were talking about gallium arsenide cells and was it proton yeah, particle they, accelerator they, yeah, splitting they use particle of the accelerator to slice them off. <laughs> you guys have heard this stuff, right? Saw. And but the the cell the, the substrate is is three microns. So it is extremely flexible as opposed to your standard. Is this stuff setup. available? Do you think it's <laughs> going to be ready for the eco ship or is that you got too cutting edge guys? Well, I think there's, I mean, there's, you see solar roadways, you see solar bikeways. There's a lot of advancements done that you actually have enough durability where you have trucks driving over and there's test tracks already out in Europe and other parts of the world and they hold up. So there is an opportunity there. For sure, and I think there will be materials available to use it. Uh, so there's, uh, I, I don't think that's going to be much of an issue. And if you see what's happening out in Beijing, uh, that there, you know, there's complete, there's hundreds of kilometers or miles that are being converted to solar solar roadways. It's, it's, you know, it will be there and it will be tested. So I think it's doable. Gotcha. Uh, Jay's telling me I'm putting my mic up rather than down. Okay, gotcha, Jay. All right. Okay. So, what do you think, Remy? Uh, we 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 have some innovation with PV where it's maybe ready to actually be deployed on these sails and in this kind of an environment. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's why we're here also to uh, uh, to show this project. We're uh, because we're Japan-based. Uh, um, sometimes the people that we want to talk to don't really know about us, so we want to show that it's uh, it's there. We're ready, and uh, we're also looking, yeah, for partners to make sure that it's it need the greenest uh, uh, cruise ship in the world. And we're very committed to that statement. So uh, we're welcoming on board um, all people involved in, uh, in green tech and, and willing to, yeah, to try out their products. Um, so please, yeah, talk so to us. What are some of the products? So uh, first of all, how can people reach you? How can they contact you? And then what are some of the product areas that you're looking for partnerships in? Uh, EchoShip website. Uh, you can write me at Remy. That's R-E-M-Y. It's a French name. R-E-M-Y at uh, EchoShip hyphen pb.com uh, and we're uh, looking uh, for partnerships especially for the uh, for the solar panels actually they represent a big part of the ship um, 
also, uh, we're interested in talking with people with wind turbines. Um, we are looking into having 10 wind turbines that would produce about 350 um, kilowatts, so pretty big wind turbines for use in port, um, just when we're in port. Um, what we want to do is to be able to have no engines running for six hours in port. So we'll have about 24 uh, megawatt hour of battery um, for all the hotel uh, load for use in port. 20, 24 megawatt hours yeah. of batteries, right? Yes. Okay, okay. Well, that's another area we got to take a peek at, right? So you're looking at energy storage uh, partnerships, clearly. Are we talking about yeah. lithium? I mean, are we talking about uh, certain chemistries? Any, I mean, what, 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 what do we use here? Anybody know? <laughs> There, there's obviously opportunities. I mean, hydrogen, again, you have the infrastructure issue, right? So how do you can get to, you could think hydrogen storage because it gives you the highest density around it, uh, but there's the infrastructure problem. How do you get it there? How do you, how do you exchange if it's that long port of a call? One of the things that I find really interesting around energy storage, and I make this claim to a couple of people already, and they think I'm nuts, is that in my view, in seven years, there will be a zero cost for battery and energy storage. So um, batteries and energy core, I, I still like you, Josh, but just our microphones are not compatible. Um, the, uh, there will be no battery cost and energy storage going forward uh, seven years from now because it's all coming back from the vehicles uh, in second use, in first use applications, and uh, you know all these other things that, that are used for the uh, transport industry, and it's gonna be use, usable for energy storage. And therefore, that's like an opportunities, I think, where you can get into the cruise ships. You can probably have, and there's probably ballast benefits from having heavy batteries in the bottom of the ship uh, that can be utilized as then a, a big energy storage bank. And that, if that's coming back from second-use batteries in that large uh, portfolio and, and, and storage, that could be a really interesting play where you have a very low cost of energy storage you have some benefits of the weight of it in the boat and therefore generate like a win-win on both sides. So that's, I would go that route just because I, looking at pricing and looking at the capacity available uh, in the future, it's definitely a play. Okay. Fascinating. That's a really good idea. Right. So we're all thinking just lithiums, but of course the expense and, and the, you know, the, the cost of something like that, 25 megawatt hours of lithium is still considerable. So right now, but you could, you could save a tremendous amount of money with lead acid, what you said, right? Potentially? No, no, second use. Second no, use. Sorry, second use. So, that's, that's so, I mean, like I mentioned uh, previously, Mercedes-Benz, public figures sold about 3 million cars last year. Mm -hmm. If you have prediction 2025, 20% will be electric. That's a public number they said, right? It could be 20 between 40%. If you think 20% of that is 300,000 cars, if you have that as a, um, if you convert, let's say, an average number, like 60,000 60, cars at a 100 kilowatt hour battery, it's six gigawatts of storage, right? And there's a lot of cars up until that point that are coming back that have, have been in crashes, that are lease returns, that are coming off the market, all this capacity that's online then after seven, eight years, it still has 70 to 80% of its capacity, but it's not able to use in vehicles anymore, yeah. but can be then used in energy storage applications. And it's written off of the books of, of car manufacturers. So they're having a cost in there right now for recycling, mostly. So it will be available as very cheap capacity at that e time. Even yeah, more. And I, and I heard, a, I heard about that, a price. Oh, sorry. Um, they'll pay you to take the battery and take the recycling. <laughs> So the you ship know. could be ro roving around the world and recycling uh, uh, end-of-life car batteries. You know, the, the car battery, ins instead of that company having the burden of the cost of um, disposing. disposing or recycling that battery, they will pay you to take that battery, you can use it, and then you're eventually going to have to recycle it, but with a much lower charge, that cost nice. should drop. Right. I, I don't know I, uh, if I'll pay you, but yeah, it'll yeah. be cheap. Cheap. Well, if, if, if they know you want it, it's not going to be cheap. Free, I'm free. But um, I had a, I had a board question. He, he's for, talking for, about for, a very large volume. I know. Very large <laughs> surplus. I know. Um, I do have a question for you because you may be privy to this information. So we understand that these batteries, over time, the performance degrades. What does that 
performance curve look like? Does it continue to taper off drastically, or is it more of a, a level? Well, in the car application, it's going to be pretty steep, right? right? So because you have high power throughput very rapidly. And it all depends how much you do fast charging and going into those you know, high power applications. Sure. At that point, it, it degrades a little bit more rapidly. But once it's out of its first use, meaning like a minimum is 70%, right? So 70% or it's the maximum degradation that a car application can handle on the battery. Yep. Meaning if a battery reaches 70% to remove it out of car, and if you put it then into a, a um, different application like energy storage, that degradation flattens out because you don't cycle as much. You don't have uh, that much power draw. It's a very different cycle life as in a vehicle where it's high power, quick, very heavy use, and then nothing. And then again, right? So it's more of a gradual. So these batteries coming off a vehicle after, let's call it seven years or 10 years, they'd still be good for another five to eight to 10 years, depending on the application that you put them in. Sure. And um, so there are significant use you can still get out of them. Yes, you lose obviously density because you need more to reach 100% capacity because they're not at 100% capacity anymore. So, uh, so you need 30% more in terms of weight, but if it's not a space issue and if it's not a weight issue, it's very, you know, that's the way to go at that point. Right, understood. Makes a lot of sense. Okay, so we've covered a lot of ground here. We've covered uh, the notion of PV. Uh, we've covered a little bit of uh, the switch from diesel or hybrid to diesel and LNG and the applicability of the different availability of the LNG throughout the world on the, on the ports of call. And uh, we talked a little bit about, um, about storage. There's a new idea here about uh, recycling uh, end-of-life uh, end uh, car batteries. And then also we talked about articulating arms for axe tracking PV on the sales. So a heck of a few innovations for a 50-minute uh, uh, podcast radio show here. So thank you, gentlemen. Um, I think we're, Jay, are we, how are we on time here, buddy? Are we running, running behind sketch? <laughs> you want Jay is uh, holding a um, an adhesive. Okay, I, I have an audience member who like... I didn't who I did invite <laughs> um, down actually to talk about hydrogen. But he bought he bought me a toy. This is a solar panel. Is this flexible enough for you? <laughs> this is really impressive. What did you say that what twelve percent efficient right now? It's twelve percent efficient, but you can. Uh... Yeah, I was looking at the picture of the ship. And we actually have a customer that bought this stuff for, for a ship. Um, you can walk over this. So it means that a lot of the service that you're sacrificing for panels, you could actually uh, simply lay this stuff out and people can walk over it. And all the curved services at the front, you can also cover with this stuff. And it makes it far more, you have a huge service area. So the efficiency may be lower, but given the fact that you can, uh, layout uh, cover a lot lot of area your total output will probably even be higher than with a highly efficient panel and the same as the sales being able to make sales with this stuff it makes it far more efficient you can make a larger sale without having the problem of the huge construction of having to lift 40 kilogram uh, panels you know this is 600 gram per square meter so this is a trade-off of, of weight versus efficiency and durability, right? These are the kind of things we're trading off right now. Yes, exactly. So this, this, is, this is all about low cost, lowest cost per kilowatt hour. This is not about highest efficiency. It's is, about you have a given application and making sure that you get the maximum amount of kilowatts out of the, out of the application. Yes. And at the lowest cost. And is this, and Peter, this is Peter Veltman from Hi, Hyatt Hydrogen that jumped yeah, in. Well, Thank you, Peter. This is our sister company, Hyatt Solar. Hyatt Solar. So, and is, are we looking at thin film? Is that what we're looking at here? Uh, would you call that thick film? <laughs> <laughs> Boris, you want to jump in? Sure, absolutely. I mean, flexible solar and thin film, like I've been in thin film 10 years ago, uh, running a module manufacturer out of this. And, and obviously you have it. With thin film, you have the idea you can sputter it, it's, it's, you can put it almost on any type of surface, and you laser etch the cells, so that gives you flexibility in the manufacturing on where you can get it to and, and what you can do uh, on the solar side. So you can definitely, and, and the efficiency is now at a point where uh, previously it was too expensive to, to manufacture, so the economics 10 years didn't work out when we were trying it. Uh, nowadays, it's, it's very different, but 
Um, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, you got to look at what's your usable area, what can you sacrifice, right? Then what's the efficiency you need to get? And then uh, so you, you have some areas where probably glass high efficiency makes more sense because you have the structural capability to do it. You can do awnings, these kinds of things over areas where you want shade, where you don't lose area. And then areas that you need less structural and you can remove structural or heavy construction to put in thin film or you put areas that are even in use just to cover it. It's, uh, it's definitely a viable solution, right? Like, like we have in solar roadways. And because of the way now that we doing the power electronics, there's a way that you can, you know, previously shading was an issue. So if you run over a certain area, everything goes down. And that's now mitigated by, by uh, various power electronics. No, no, no. And also this stuff is in. simply yeah. not shade uh, sensitive. Exactly. This yeah. is the way it's built. So yeah. no power electronics uh, to compensate. This is shade resistant. So if somebody can walk over it, large crowds can walk over it. And whatever right. surface is, let's say, exposed to sun, will deliver power. So unlike a, um, a conventional solar panel where you shade a cell and it compromises that, that region, it's, it doesn't work like that? No, not at all. So you can shade a cell, which is quite hard eh, because a cell is the whole line. Gotcha. So that's, uh, y you need to be a world champion in, in shading one cell. And even if a cell is shaded, the, the current will continue to flow. That's a huge difference with conventional and also with other thin film applications. It's pretty unique, this stuff. What do you think, Remy? It looks fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was not a question mark, so it looks fantastic. <laughs> uh, the, um, do you know if it's ever been tested on a ship before? Because I was, we were told recently that it would be a great idea to have these flexible panels around the hull of the ship, because it's a lot of real estate, actually, that we have, the hull of the ship. And we were told that the uh, the reflective effect of water would make would mean like about 25% gain in efficiency. But do you know if it's ever been tested or? Um, RCCL will be able to tell you somewhere next year because we need to deliver a load of it for a new ship in February. Okay. Great. And the next Excellent. ship is in 2020. So we have two ships that are being built. And uh, the first one is uh, we need to deliver our foil in, in February. And the do next one is uh, February 2020. Do you know in what parts of the ship this is used? Um, yeah, it's on the top. Okay. Um, we, I can show you pictures. We are in uh, 4462. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, thanks. Welcome. That's what the solar coaster is all about, folks. Getting this type of stuff. Peter, I'm so glad I invited you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Oh, the beer is excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Come to that's, Maui, I'll get you more. That's Maui Brewing Company. Thanks to our sponsor, Maui Brewing Company uh, okay. in Kihei. All right. And with... Oh, Jay, you going out with the mic a little bit? No, i got to put that out. Any other, any other questions? That sound does mean it's time to go. We're going to be taking more questions after the fact. Um, but... Give us a second to wrap up the show here. <laughs> hey, folks, this is uh, that's the end of the show. Yeah, this has been the uh, Solar Coaster. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. We are uh, sponsored by Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric America, Sonam Battery, Pika Energy, and Sundrum Solar. Thank you, Michael. Uh, it's been a great show. Uh, we really appreciate your inputs. Uh, Boris, thank you. Mahalo. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, Michael, as always, can't, can't thank you enough for being on the show. <laughs> thank Maui Brewery for uh, the libations. Yep. Excellent. <laughs> We're going to have to do that more often, aren't we? <laughs> and uh, Remy, thanks for flying out from Tokyo uh, for this crazy idea to put you on at SPI 2018 and talk about the EcoShip project. <laughs> 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 <